Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's up, everybody? We are live with the Osmo FanDuel Show, the week 14 edition. I am your host, Matt Kajeski, and I am here with my partner in crime, as always, Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski, and you can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. That's the best way to support Kyle, myself, and the entire Osmo crew. So many likes we can rack up today, and as we approach 50K subscribers, if you haven't hit that subscribe button, make sure you do. Kyle, I am going to be honest with you. I am starting to lose track of days with football every single day. I mean, I love it. But for a second here, as I was just talking through the intro, I'm like, is it actually Thursday? We have another game tonight. And of course we do. But how are you, my friend? How is the football treating you? It seems every day at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm good, but like, I legit hate having football on these days. Like, I use Tuesday as a refresh day. I like get my life in order. I start working on the next week, and to have to still focus on the previous week, like, it is miserable. It's untenable for someone who actually does this for a living. But uh, you know, still, I am here, breathing, living, and doing, uh, you know, doing what I like. So I can't complain too much. But like, if I can complain, I'm definitely going to complain, and I'm complaining. Yeah, I won't lie. From a content perspective, sometimes it gets a little draining, but I mean, every time the football actually actually comes on, I'm excited. So, of course, today's agenda, we are talking everything FanDuel, how it differs from the DraftKings main slate, ways to exploit it. And we are going to do this in a position-by-position position breakdown. But first and foremost, I feel like we have to touch on just the injury news of the week. As always, injuries have been a big key to the slates in the last couple of weeks. There was the Taysom Hill tight end week. And the last two weeks, we've had a lot of running back value open up. And it seems like we might be approaching a similar week. Joe Mixon has already been ruled out. Antonio Gibson, I don't believe he's officially been ruled out, but we're expected to have J.D. McKissick in some sort of timeshare with Peyton Barber. Also in the news, there's Taysom Hill expected to start again. Anything you're really making of the slate overall, just before we dive into the individual positions, just the context of the slate. Yeah, I mean, in terms of scoring, this slate is more 2020-esque than some previous ones with a bunch of good games, one really good game. And in terms of the injuries, yeah, like, I, I don't know if you said this, Chris Godwin should be fine. The running backs, we already know are going to be out. Like Antonio Gibson, there's no way he plays. Joe Mixon, Zach Taylor has already said he won't play. And uh, I guess Taysom Hill starting again is interesting because he's still, like, for his rushing role, his price is uh, is still pretty tenable on on FanDuel. I think maybe specifically, especially since like I feel no confidence that he will ever reach a 300 yard bonus 
and likely not a hundred yard bonus. Like very few quarterbacks have like ever hit a hundred yard rushing bonus. I, I, like, is it just like one? I don't, uh, Kyler Murray hasn't hit it yet. Has he? Lamar Jackson hit it at least once last year. I know. I think he hit it in the playoffs. I don't know if he hit it in the regular season, but I mean, like, obviously I don't, I think if there's one player we can point to as the example, Taysom Hill is not going to hit either of those. We don't have him on FanDuel. So you don't really have to rely on it. Like he doesn't have that missing ceiling that someone who's going to throw for 300 or Lamar rushing for hundred, he doesn't miss out on that ceiling. So I think given that his price is good and it's not capped by missing a three point bonus, like maybe him starting is actually much more interesting on FanDuel specifically, which is kind of important to know your scoring format. Yeah, and that's going to be huge. We are talking specifically FanDuel today, and I think there are some key differences between the sites. In particular, I think we're having a much easier time with the running back position as far as value, and I think it could lead to maybe a little bit more of a stars and scrubs approach. Of course, there's some nuances with the slate that we'll talk about as we get into the position-by-position breakdown. And as always, I want to start with QB. And this week in particular, we have very spread out ownership. This is something we typically talk about at the quarterback position but I'm looking at eight players right now projected above 5% ownership. And the most owned is Patrick Mahomes at 10.2. So you're not really seeing the hills and valleys as far as really high owned players, really low owned players. They're all coming in kind of spread out. And for that reason, Mahomes at 10%. I mean, I'm always going to have interest in that. He's expensive. Of course, he's 8.9 K, but even on the FanDuel main slate, Aaron Rodgers is more expensive. Russell Wilson's more expensive. So I think we have a, a semi-affordable Mahomes given his role in the offense and ownership. Yeah. The, uh, the Mahomes pricing seems a little weird. Of course he's expensive, but like Russell Wilson over him, Aaron Rodgers, really? Like, I, I don't know. It just feels slightly off to me. I mean, it's off by $200. So it's not like there's some egregious pricing. And if it were egregious ownership would reflect that. And yes, he's the most popular, but 10% versus 8% for Tannehill versus, you know, seven, the six and a half to seven range for, you know, Wilson Rodgers. I don't think you really give up that much by eating two to 3% more chalk. Now, if it were a, a slate, like I think we've had, it was uh, Josh, it's been Josh Allen versus a few different quarterbacks. I think Josh Allen versus Justin Herbert drew like 15 plus percent ownership on some of them. Some of the cheap Kyler Murray weeks, he was drawing 15 plus percent. I know Mahomes is the number one like ranked owned quarterback, but 10% isn't that much. So I think I'm fine going to someone like him especially like honestly over Wilson and over Rogers, because I think he carries the most touchdown equity, even when you adjust for the fact that I believe Rogers for sure. And I think Wilson as well, their teams have slightly higher implied team totals. The chiefs just do not care about running. And it's awesome because they have Patrick Mahomes and they shouldn't care about running, but more so than any other team, especially the way that the Seahawks are trending in recent weeks, you capture more of your team's touchdowns by playing Mahomes than by playing Wilson or, or Rogers who just, have functional or attempting to be functional in terms of Carlos Hyde trotting out there running games. You just, they don't care. Like Patrick Mahomes just does not care about running the football and Andy Reid lets him do that. So I think in terms of the expensive chalk, I don't see why you deviate from Mahomes. I'm with you on the Mahomes play. And you talked about the teams with higher implied team totals, the Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. Both of them are in very good game environments. Seattle, the game total is not very high, but they are projected to win by two scores. So you see them still coming in with an implied team total at 30 because they're playing the Jets. The Packers are in a very similar situation against the Detroit Lions. That team total is enormous. But when you talk about back and forth shootout potential, I do think the Miami Dolphins are bringing more of that to the table than the New York Jets and the Detroit Lions, the various opponents playing the Seahawks and the Packers this week. So 
just mirroring what you said, I'm very interested in chief stacks, starting with Mahomes. That when you talk about stacking, now that Sammy Watkins is in the picture too, I think it becomes a little more accessible too. You're not just paying the price points that are extremely expensive for Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey when stacking with Mahomes. So I'm very, very comfortable getting to him this week as long as the ownership sticks. Is there anyone else in this chalky range that you really have a lot of interest in? I'll just keep kind of leave this open-ended. Right now, the most owned quarterbacks are generally the more expensive ones. We have Mahomes, Rodgers, and Wilson all in the top four. There's Tannehill mixed in there. And then Tom Brady's coming in as the fifth most owned quarterback. So it's kind of this dichotomy, three really expensive guys, two guys with middling price tags. Where do you see yourself going? Yeah, I think there are, like you said, there are two groups. We have like a pretty wide golf. We have a thousand salary golf between Tannehill as one of the two cheap guys and Mahomes as the cheapest of the expensive guys. There's a gap between them. So I think it's okay to go with some of these guys, but like if your lineup, say you're building five lineups and you have all five of these guys, like I don't know if you're maybe doing something right there. If I'm picking from the expensive guys, I've already talked about Mahomes. If I'm picking from the cheaper guys, and you can even move down a little bit, and our number six quarterback who's not that far off from five, Brady, is Deshaun Watson, I will still take Tom Brady over Tannehill and over Deshaun Watson. The team totals with a you know a Brady versus Tannehill aren't that different. Like I think you're capturing or you're tapping into like very similar, yeah, 29 and a quarter points for Tom Brady and 30 points for Ryan Tannehill. But one of these teams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, much like the Chiefs, are just passing an extremely high clip. I believe they're like number one or two in like pass attempts per game and their pass percentage is top five as well. Whereas obviously we know that that is the ceiling on any given week that, you know, for whatever reason, the matchup works out that Tannehill gets dropped back a lot. That's kind of the floor for Tom Brady. And if you tell me that both teams are projected to score the same amount of points, I don't really know why there's much of a decision here. Like Vegas is telling us, and if you know, if you want to go out and try and if you disagree, then go out and just start betting sports books and see how long you can hold on to your bankroll. I'm not going to try and do that. So I'm going to say our projection for the touchdowns on both Tennessee and, and Tampa Bay should be very similar. If one of these teams is much more likely to continue passing the ball throughout the course of the game, not only given the spread, but given the style of football that Tampa Bay plays, it's obviously Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. So for that reason, I think of the, you know, quote, chalk, he's top five. And the cheap chalk, he's, you know, top five. And there are three cheap guys in the top six. He's kind of clearly the choice for me. Yeah, I agree with you on Brady. And it's funny, your your point of view on the sports books, like if you if you think you're so different than sports books, go out and, and bet these totals and see how you do. That's exactly what I've been doing with fading James Robinson every single week. And then the yeah, Jaguars yeah. just cover the spread and cover the spread. I'm definitely not someone who's been hurt by this in the past, as you can tell. But, you know, as far as Tom Brady goes, He's playing a terrible Minnesota defense. They're bottom 10 in yards per attempt allowed. So even at his modest ownership, I'm fine getting to someone like Brady. And I'm certainly interested in his pass catchers, which makes me think I'm going to have a decent amount of Tom Brady stacks. He's again in that middling price range. We haven't talked about punts yet exactly. And given the running backs that are opening up and seemingly every week now they're opening up, I don't necessarily know you have to punt, but I'm just going to throw a couple interesting names your way in the cheap zone. There's two Otagovailoa in the Chiefs. That's a high total game potential shootout matchup there. Derek Carr showed something last week. He looked very good. There's Daniel Jones expected to be back against Arizona. And from the practice reports, it seems like he's moving relatively well. So I'm not exactly worried about his rushing equity right now. We'll see how he progresses through the week. Also, Teddy Bridgewater, very affordable price. Do you have any interest in punting this week at the quarterback position? Yeah, I don't know if I would go with 
like any like really absurd low price plays. I think I'd probably be living more in that like mid to cheap range. Like I, he's not like a punt, but like I talked about Taysom Hill at 7,700 is really good value. Uh, one punt play. I have one Tua at 6,600. I think people have this misconception of Tua as the boring quarterback, one who's just going to check it down. Who's going to throw it away. You know, whatever we think about quarterbacks who are like in that Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, ironically on the same team kind of strain. And, and maybe it's possible that he's that, but our sample size is so small. And actually our sample size indicates that he's relatively aggressive. At least when you look at the dichotomy of him versus Ryan Fitzpatrick, he has a higher a dot. He throws past the first down marker more often. He holds onto the ball for a longer time while in the pocket. Like every one of those indicates to me that he is as, if not more aggressive than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he's simply been less efficient, but our priors on him as a top 10 draft pick as a really good prospect coming out of Alabama should all say that he's a good quarterback. I think we just, we don't have any information to say he is boring and bad yet. He can be exciting and good. And we just don't know. And if he's going to be exciting and good, this is the game of all games to target versus Kansas city. The runback options are great. And like two of the stacking options within his own team are very clear. You've probably got two, arguably three, if you want to throw like a Shaquem Grant in there, but really two options. If he goes off, it's going to go through Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki. So I think we are just too low on Tua. He was a good prospect. He's played aggressive so far, if not so efficient. And he's super cheap on FanDuel. He's one of the only like really like sub 7, 7K guys that I think plays in a game that we should just be trying to jam in players from. I like that call. Generally, with these sort of situations where we have very small samples and the field seems certain on the outcome of a prospect, like Tua Tagovailoa has played like three full games and hurt in some of them, and he hasn't played well. I will concede that point. But agreed. But could he improve after three career NFL games? Certainly, and if he comes in with a <laughs> fraction of the ownership as some other signal callers, I'm. And the best thing about Tua is you don't have to lock him into your lineup. Like if you're playing multiple lineups, you throw him in a couple and you are automatically going to be pacing the field. So I I do like that quite a bit with Tua. Someone the chat routinely has brought up since we've been on stream. Also, thank you guys for being here. Appreciate you all very much and appreciate the engagement in the chat is Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert. I'm looking at our ownership and I don't see him right away. And here I am scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. He's outside of the top 12 most owned quarterbacks this week. He is 2.3%, a relatively friendly game environment against the Atlanta Falcons. Are people overreacting to the shutout we saw last week for Justin Herbert? Uh, Given his, you know, prior of playing the entire season as one of the best quarterbacks, given his modest price, 8,300 is far below the likes of Russell Wilson, the likes of Aaron Rodgers, whom he has routinely scored with or outscored. And given his ownership, which is 16th on the main slate, 16th, are you freaking kidding me? Yes, people are vastly overreacting. If he came in as, you know, the 6th, 7th, 8th, 10th most owned quarterback, I would say, you know, sure. We're right to adjust our, our information on him a little bit after getting bodied last week. And it's not like this game has a 57-point total, but the 49 or 49.5-point total isn't bad. You're not paying up for it as if it's the most, you know, the most worthy targeting game. 8,300 isn't an awful price for him. And the ownership is what's most important. Like, I think he has a ceiling that comes close. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 
Someone like Rogers Wilson, you know, in the highest range of outcomes, Patrick Mahomes as well. And you don't have to pay for it like that in his price and in his ownership. There seems to be nothing to dislike about him. And all the things that we want to like about him are, are amplified, especially that ownership. Yeah, I mean, going into last week's game, two, or excuse me, I was going to say two at Taco Bailoa, Justin Herbert, another rookie, he was averaging north of 300 yards passing per game, which is absolutely mind-boggling for a rookie signal caller. But before we move on to the running back position, we have more of you in the chat now, guys. Thank you for being here. Hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel so you know when all of our shows go live, hit the notification bell. Those are the best ways to support us as we make the push to 50K subscribers, hopefully by the end of the year. I know it's a challenge and we are, NBA is starting soon. So hopefully that brings in a nice new, fresh faces to the chat and we can hit this, this goal we have. A lofty goal, but I think we can do it. At the running back position, I think this position is the most different from DraftKings this week. Just looking between the two positions, between the two sites, there are very different names in the top five ownership. And I think it's because DraftKings did a very good job adjusting some of the running backs that were the cheap chalk last week, and FanDuel just adjusted them modestly. So we are seeing Miles Gaskin, 6K. He's coming in north of 25% ownership. David Montgomery, he's 6.6K. He's coming in with 24.5% ownership. Both of those guys were chalk last week on DraftKings and FanDuel, both at cheap prices. DraftKings boosts them relatively high, FanDuel keeps them relatively cheap. Are they two players you're willing to go back to this week on FanDuel specifically? We are talking Miles Gaskin and David Montgomery. I think Miles Gaskin makes some amount of sense in your Patrick Mahomes lineups. Like in, in, I know I've talked about the Chiefs throwing at like a over over expectation rate in terms of just they win a lot of games yet they still throw the football a lot. But all things considered, you would like their opponents to keep the game close. That is certainly preferred in a in a back and forth scoring environment. That probably means that you would like to see you know them cover the spread. Miami that is. So in that case, they probably are able to run the football. I would say mostly though I am limiting Gaskin to to Mahomes runbacks. And even then, I think the passing game options here, Devontae Parker's and Mike Gusecki's are better. So despite the fact that it's a game that I'm interested in, I probably come in under the field on him. I, I really have very little interest in David Montgomery. Like the, the offense isn't that exciting. He gets a ton of work, but I think for, you know, similar ownership, I can get almost as much work with Gaskin. And I think the game environment is better. So I, I think if you're looking at these two guys, I, I'm always going to choose someone like Gaskin, even going down a little bit. Like Wayne Gallman and Giovanni Bernard are going to be 8 to 10% less owned and project for, again, similar roles, given that Joe Mixon is out and Wayne Gallman has kind of just been a bell cow ever since Devonta Freeman got put on IR. So I think maybe of the cheap plays, Montgomery facing Houston at home is the best spot. I will concede that it's the best spot, but you pay a little more for him and you pay in ownership. So I think he's equal to lesser than Wayne Gallman, Giovanni Bernard, Gaskin, probably throw someone like Devontae Booker in, in there as well. So why am I paying the ownership for him? Right. And I, I mirror that with the options we have at the running back position on FanDuel specifically, there are ample running backs to pivot away from in the, even if we just want to isolate five and a half K to six and a half K, you know, let's make David Montgomery our ceiling price for this exercise. He's six and a half thousand dollars. You mentioned Wayne Gallman. He's six K flat Giovanni Bernard, 5.7 K. If we want to go down to some potential value opening up, 
There's J.D. McKissick at 5.3. I know his pass catching role is a little bit diminished on the FanDuel platform, but you're still talking about a sizable workload at 5.3K. There's Devontae Booker, who I assume most people won't get. This is all assuming Josh Jacobs won't play. He did not practice yesterday. Not a really a good sign for his availability this week, but assuming Josh Jacobs misses this game, you have Devontae Booker at 5.7K, only getting 11% ownership. Those are all direct pivots you can take off a 25% on Miles Gaskin and a 25% on David Montgomery. Not to mention Miles Gaskin, like touchdown underdogs. You're really trying to play someone with that kind of scoring equity. Like you said, I do prefer the pass catchers in that situation. Anything else to add on some of the cheap punts? I, I know McKissick and Devontae Booker are interesting names this particular week. There's also Peyton Barber, if you want to throw him in there. 4,600 on FanDuel. Maybe that's a very, very cheap punt play you could look to. Uh, I'm not I'm not doing this Peyton Barber thing I I couldn't I just can't he's he's sort of like uh if if Miles Gaskin didn't have any pass catching equity and then played in a miserable game he's also cheaper but I don't even care like even our our projection doesn't have him as a particularly special points per dollar value like he's not like a stupid play at his, at his price but he certainly doesn't really give you any advantage advantage in building like a median lineup like at least Actually, McKissick, even on Vandal scoring, does give you an advantage in building, you know, uh, just a straight up points lineup better than most of the lineups. He's one of our best values. Same thing with Gaskin and Montgomery. You know, no interest in in Peyton Barber. I don't know. Devontae Booker is kind of interesting. He plays in a game with a decent total. The spread isn't that far. But uh, I don't know. I think it's just the the price and the fact that I think people are going to be so burned by him last week that maybe uh, maybe dabble in some Booker. Oh, yeah, I definitely was burned. Cost me a trip to the playoffs in my high-stakes seasonal league. That league that you know about. How did you – how are you even in contention? I know this team. How are you in contention to get in the playoffs? Uh, Dude, I've had some – okay, so I didn't make the playoffs. There's going to be a rough punishment for me. I'll I'll keep the chat updated on what my punishment is. I've had some rough ones in the past in this league from side bets. If you're interested, I'll tell you on Twitter. But – we haven't talked about any of the expensive running backs. I'm just realizing uh-huh. it now. You and I have just been talking about punt plays the entire time. We have, well, Christian McCaffrey, he did not practice today, or at least he wasn't at the early portion of practice. So we might not even have this discussion. He's projected to come in at 15% ownership on FanDuel. If he misses this game or it just looks like he's doubtful, I expect we'll see the ownership of Dalvin Cook rise. Right now, Dalvin Cook is at 6.4%, but he's 10.2K. They're essentially interchangeable as far as price goes. And of course, there's Derrick Henry in the mix too. He's in a phenomenal matchup against Jacksonville. So 20% ownership, I think here is justified. And if Christian McCaffrey misses this game, I wouldn't be surprised to see it rise to 25% or so. What are you making of the expensive backs? Yeah, I mean, I'm, man, this Christian McCaffrey thing sucks. I'd love to see him get back on the field before the season ends, honestly. I don't I don't know. It's been rough for him, but he got the back. So what does it even matter? You know, good for him. If he doesn't play, I kind of have a feeling that given the already pretty large divide between Henry and Dalvin Cook, that a lot of his ownership would end up funneling specifically to Derrick Henry, because when people are choosing between the three, they've mostly chosen Henry and then they've gone to McCaffrey. I think that means they would just continue going to Henry at that point. Like, I, I think I'd actually have some interest in Dalvin Cook. And I've generally been baiting like when Dalvin Cook gets to 10 K plus it is, it is a multi-touchdown game, especially on FanDuel, where his like significant role as a receiver doesn't give you as much value. It's a multi-touchdown game or bust from him. Like There's just no other way around it. You need multiple scores at 10K to really have a, a number one GPP winning, winning lineup. 
I'm kind of okay betting on that if we get 7% owned Dalvin Cook. Like, this is a game I'm already targeting. It has, I believe, the third highest total in their game versus Tampa Bay. They are underdogs, but if they go out, like, honestly, the Vikings are one of the teams that really does not care if they're underdogs or not. They will run the football almost at any time. So as long as they come close, keep it within a touchdown, Cook should be expected to see his regular role. And I know Alexander Madison missed last week. I think he was absent from practice earlier this week. Like, they have no backups at that point. I'm okay putting a, you know, a guy who's going to be seven or 8% owned in my lineups, knowing that he needs multiple touchdowns, because that is certainly within his range of outcomes. And if he does that, like I've probably already built a Tom Brady lineup around it. That's probably a very live lineup to win tournaments with Cook coming in at 8% owned. If I have like the wrong read on this and he ends up getting up to 15% when Christian McCaffrey is ruled out, if that happens, I'll probably not end up playing a ton of him. But anytime you can get someone with that kind of upside at his ownership, at what I'm, you know, projecting his ownership to be at, I'd have some interest. And I'd honestly have some interest because of Derrick Henry's ownership. I think their ceilings look almost identical, especially on FanDuel when it boils down a little bit more to touchdowns. Their ceilings look very similar, 150 total yards and multiple touchdowns, but one of them will be vastly lower owned, I believe. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying on there. If Dalvin Cook, this ownership holds, I will certainly be playing some of him too. I think part of the reason, honestly, is we have some pretty good bell cows in the mid-price range. Like James Robinson is becoming increasingly difficult to poke holes in his game, and he's 8K. He's projected 21% ownership. That's top three on the slate. There's Eckler. I know Eckler duds a little bit last week. Kalen Balazs siphons off more work than we were expecting. But again, it was basically a floor game from the the entire Chargers offense. He's 7.5K. There's potential bell cows at a cheaper price point. In good matchups, you have Ezekiel Elliott taking on Cincinnati. We have Chris Carson taking on the Jets. And maybe we'll even get Mike Davis taking on Denver at 6.8K. And I assume Mike Davis would just start taking away some of this David Montgomery ownership. But this is just an assumption at this point. We need the McCaffrey news. What are you doing with that mid-priced tier, the James Robinsons, Ecklers, Chris Carsons, Ezekiel Elliott's of the world? I think maybe the most interesting one to me would be like a a Chris Carson, especially, you know, given what we've seen from his team recently is that they were one of the, if not the most pass heavy team in the NFL, when you adjust for the game script that they were playing, which is typically that they're winning through about seven weeks. Since then, they've come down to still above average, but certainly not leading the league. We had Pete Carroll earlier in the week talk about wanting to get Chris Carson the ball more. And after his first game back, when he split work with Carlos Hyde, they were clearly easing him in. Last week, he completely outtouched Carlos Hyde. It was clearly back to the point where he's the lead back. He even saw six targets, which isn't as valuable in Fandle, but certainly doesn't hurt. He still gets some points for him. And Carlos Hyde was hardly involved. They're massive favorites against the Jets. I think people are not going to necessarily go to him as much as as maybe they should because, one, we have this prior of seven or eight weeks of of Seattle being incredibly pass-heavy. Like like all of their running backs were banged up through a lot of those games, and now they've changed. And the fact that they're 14-point favorites and Pete Carroll is saying he wants to get Chris Carson the ball more, I I think we maybe are weighing a handful of weeks of Russell Wilson cooking a little too much over – what like uh, probably a six or seven year career uh, of Pete Carroll and, and at times brought in Schottenheimer just completely limiting his ability to cook. I'm a little more excited, I think, than the field is on Chris Carson. I like Chris Carson a lot too. And there's nothing Pete Carroll likes more than slamming his lead back into the back of his offensive line 30 plus times a game. We haven't seen it this year, but you know, they designated Rashad Penny to return. 
I don't know when he does or what role he plays, but man, I love Rashad Penny coming out of college. I'm just throwing uh-huh. that out there that I'm excited to see Rashad Penny's return. And I hope it, I hope it is soon, man. He's, he was a great prospect. Let's talk complete pivots. Someone I have to ask you about just because the ownership here is mind blowing. And we are at a point in DFS. There's many weird things we're saying this year that I never thought I'd say like Kalen Balazs had usable weeks. Jordan Howard is still siphoning off carries from Miles Sanders. But Alvin Kamara at 1.8% ownership at 7.8K. If I told you earlier this year, we were going to have a week where you could find Alvin Kamara at 1.8% ownership, modest price, what would you say? I I would have guessed that your ownership would be wrong. And honestly, at that price, I would have thought like 45 to 50% ownership. Like if you just told me the price, didn't tell me anything else, I would have guessed 45 to 50% ownership, which would be 25 times his ownership right now or whatever. I'm really concerned with this game environment. It looks like a game where we have two running quarterbacks in a relatively modest total facing off. And I don't want to like disparage either quarterback. Like we've had, it's been actually an impressive passing showing from Taysom Hill efficiency wise. It just hasn't been a ton of volume. He runs the ball that runs the clock and the game slows down. And I believe Jalen Hurts will be the same thing. He'll be a guy who runs the ball more than most quarterbacks and throws efficiently because our prior on him is that he was a really efficient quarterback in college. But it does look like a game where the pace could be slowed down. We could see an incredible amount of rushing volume that isn't directly you know, affecting the running backs. I get why you would go to him. I, I just think so much of his value as a receiver has been destroyed by the presence of Taysom Hill that like his projection honestly isn't that much better than Latavius Murray. I, I agree with you, and I don't have any comeback to those those concerns. They're very real concerns. But Alvin Kamara still had 17 touches last week, 15 carries, two targets. Obviously, the targets aren't ideal. But so my, my follow-up question is, at what price would you start considering Kamara again? I think it's uh, getting close. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I am considering him now. I don't think I'm going to play him because I'm mostly playing single entry. It's just I'm not like if I was MME, maybe I'd have three or four percent of him. I'm just not playing enough lineups to get there. You know, you'd have to get to like my 20, 25th, 30th lineup or something. But I would say a few hundred dollars more. I don't think we're going to end up getting to talk about, you know, what price can you play Kamara at with Taysom Hill under center? Because it looks like Taysom Hill, this will be his final start, I believe. So might not be a conversation we end up having. But I would say in two to like three or four hundred dollars more like if he was 400 500 more like cheaper on this slate i'd probably have at least one alvin Kamara lineup in in one of my single entries so we're we're close i think so too i'm I'm probably gonna play a little bit of him in the good part okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No What about Camara? 1.8%. What do you have to do to take a stance on him? Not much. You can play him in a couple of lineups and you're likely over the field. I forgot. I was going to, I lied to you, chat. There's one other person we need to talk about at the running back position. Chat reminded me, I skipped over this question. Aaron Jones is playing Detroit. Aaron Jones is only projected for 10% ownership. Is this an overcorrection because of Aaron Jones' recent struggles? I don't even want to call them struggles. He's seen kind of just a limited role in Green Bay's offense in certain games. But David Montgomery destroyed this matchup last week. Are we completely overlooking Aaron Jones in this matchup? 
I mean, I think the field is overlooking Aaron Jones in this matchup. I think maybe it's because his price puts him in like a similar range to Derrick Henry. And I, I like I, I get why you would say you're playing Derrick Henry at that price over Aaron Jones. But it's about the ownership. We're going to see incredibly low ownership on him. And Derrick Henry doesn't seem to give you a ton of leverage off of somebody else in this on this slate. Whereas when I play Aaron Jones and if he scores three touchdowns, I can bet you Devontae Adams is not getting there if Aaron Jones scores three touchdowns. You would need to see like six touchdowns from the Packers for both of them to get there. And although I guess it's possible versus Detroit, it seems unlikely. So I think I'm busting a lot of lineups if I get my ceiling game from Aaron Jones. Whereas if I get that exact same game from Derrick Henry, I likely haven't busted as many other people's lineups. So that's the kind of leverage I look for in a play where two guys have same, you know, similar outcomes. But even if they were the same price and the same ownership, I would still choose Aaron Jones because he busts the Devontae Adam lineups, likely. If he scores three touchdowns, 100% he probably has. Even if he just scores two or one, it's possible that Devontae Adams doesn't get there. So the possibility to break what we have, like 20-something, for 28% ownership, yeah, to break 28% ownership by having a ceiling outcome from Aaron Jones, I think there are just multiple factors that make him like the best of the expensive running backs. We've seen it already this year. I think it was week five or something. Aaron Jones was like sub 5% ownership. Devontae yep. Adams had returned from injury and he saw like a 14 target game or something. Devontae Adams was like 30% on Aaron Jones was like five. And then everyone I remember that week was calling Aaron Jones was the GPP play of the year. If you weren't on Aaron I Jones, yep. you're a complete donkey. So, I mean, we've already seen it once this year, but before we move on to the wide receiver position, guys, NBA DFS is almost here. We are offering $1 NBA access through December 29th for new members when you use the promo code Caruso. This gives you access to everything we have to offer for NBA preseason DFS for the first week of regular season NBA action, including projections, ownership projections, our expert Slack chat lineup builder, and much more. The, the promo code is Caruso. Who Caruso is, I'm not sure. Kyle, I don't know who this guy is. I don't watch the NBA. But I know that this is an incredible deal, regardless of whatever the, pro the promo code is. Maybe you guys in the chat can enlighten me to who this Caruso character is. I'm in the college basketball streets, not the NBA streets, but great deal nonetheless. Kyle, let's talk wide receivers. You alluded to it. Devontae Adams is the most owned wide receiver on the slate. He is trailed closely by Robbie Anderson in ownership. They are 28 and 27% respectively. Are you willing to get to this chalk? It sounded when you were talking about running back that you might be getting away from Devontae Adams in search of some leverage with some Aaron Jones. How are we handling the chalk at the wide receiver position? Yeah, Devontae Adams kind of exists in that space as well, where, you know, because he has more pass catching upside than a running back, obviously, that even on, you know, FanDuel's half PPR, that's still, you know, 12 catches is still a lot of points. It's, it's touchdown. So it's, it's, I think maybe more feasible or at least possible for him just like Dalvin Cook, obviously, to pay off their their expensive prices. But again, it's about uh, like what are the odds that he goes out and has a multi-touchdown game, and then how do you weigh that against his ownership? I like Dalvin Cook because people seem to think, based on his his cost, that there's no way he pays off that cost. And I agree, it's going to be difficult for him to pay off a 10K cost. I also agree it's going to be difficult for Devontae Adams to pay off his 10K cost, nearly 10K, but the field doesn't seem to think it's going to be that difficult. You know, nearly 30% of the field thinks eh, it's just another Sunday for Devontae Adams to pay off 9.6K. I'm not so sure that's the case. So I, I, especially given that there's a good leverage play, given that Aaron Jones 
is cheaper, lower owned, obviously, because there's such an easy one-for-one pivot where you just make that switch and you tune up the leverage on your lineup. I'll probably be making that pivot a lot. I think if they were both highly owned, I'd probably be mixing them both and maybe a bit below the field. But because one is so much lower owned in Aaron Jones than the other one, I'm just always going to make that decision to go with a guy like Aaron Jones. That makes a lot of sense to me. I want to ask you a contextual question about the slate. We have nine wide receivers projected above 10% ownership. That's relatively flat compared to what we normally see. Now we do have Devontae Adams and Robbie Anderson, both coming in with some pretty heavy ownership themselves, but the rest of this, you know, like there's Curtis Samuel at 20%, but then Allen Robinson, Tyree kill Tyree kill is only 14% and he's in the top five, like Michael Thomas, 12 and a half. He's in the top eight. I don't think any of this ownership is egregious on these individual players like Tyree kill, for example, at 14%, he's someone I'm still comfortable playing at that ownership. What do you make of the other highly owned players, given that it's a fairly spread out slate? Yeah. Given uh, I'm off Devonte Adams a bit outside of that, I think everyone else's ownership makes a very reasonable amount of sense. We have Robbie Anderson as our number one value play of the slate. And like, obviously it seems to make sense given his egregious price. Curtis Samuel makes some sense as well. Al Robinson at 7K has been seeing a ton of work. Tyreek Hill has a ceiling that is similar to Devontae Adams, if not higher, given like literally we've seen the ceiling game be higher. All of them outside of Devontae Adams, who I don't think is like a terrible play by any means. I just think there are good alternatives. Outside of that, it all kind of makes sense. And from a a roster building perspective, given that we're seeing just a handful of guys over 10% and really few, two guys over 20% right now, and so much chalk at running back, it makes me think that, I mean, this makes sense on FanDuel. FanDuel is more running back focused in the way that, you know, points are awarded. But it makes me think that we're going to see very few relative to other weeks, like four wide receiver lineups. Wide receiver is just not going to be popular in the flex, whereas running back this week, and it makes sense to an extent based on FanDuel scoring, running back is going to be massively owned in the flex. So for that reason, I think a lot of my lineups are simply going to get different by playing an extra receiver. Not a ton of lineups are going to play that extra receiver. And if it just happens to be a week where, you know, the the four highest scoring receivers versus the three highest scoring running backs, the four receivers get the win, then I've killed probably a lot of lineups because people seem to really be interested in the running backs this week. That's not the case every week, and especially on FanDuel, the way that, you know, you don't get as much for your, your catches. It's not the case every week, but I do think this week, I don't feel like any running backs are just like complete slam dunk plays. I don't think we have any obvious free square, like literal free squares. So because of that, I'm fine going a little contrarian and just playing a lot of wide receivers. Cause I, you know, the chalk isn't particularly bad. Mirroring what you said without having slam dunk plays at the running back position. I don't think we have a clear slam dunk play at wide receiver either. Last week we had Brandon cooks and he was clearly mispriced across all platforms. And this week he's priced up at 6.9 K appropriate price for him. He's also banged up on the injury report. So not to, to beat that home any further. I think that's also partially why we have such spread out ownership at this point in the week. There's a lot of really high profile receivers coming in sub 10%. Just to name a few, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Julio Jones. Those are three immense, or I, I guess alpha receivers that I have a lot of interest in. DK Metcalf in particular, just, at, you know, the 8.6 price tag is a lot for him. You could also decide to go a little bit lower. Lockett's even lower on the net, but we're still talking about a highly efficient Seattle offense. The Tennessee Titans are someone that have been in a lot of competitive games this year. Corey Davis and A.J. Brown are seeing an increasingly condensed target share. Adam Humphreys back on injured reserve. Corey Davis, 10.7% owned. If you want to get even more contrarian than that, 
AJ Brown 5.6. So there's a lot of alpha receivers below the 10% ownership mark that I have a ton of interest in. Are there any specifically that you have your eye on? Yeah, Julio Jones is especially interesting because on our DraftKings projections, he's I guess he's probably a better value relative to Calvin Ridley on DraftKings. But the ownership, like I, I don't think there's a huge difference between these two guys. Like I think we can view them as like you know Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Maybe from earlier in the year, it seems like Metcalf has kind of separated himself. And specifically last year, you know the Chris Godwin Mike Evans split, they were both seeing so much work. They were playing on such a pass heavy offense. Their quarterback was willing to be aggressive and go to specifically those two players. Those are all the trademarks I think we've seen from Matt Ryan, the Falcons offense. I don't have any strong lean into which one I'm going to be picking every week, but there are two things you can look at, obviously, price and ownership. Right now, the ownership on FanDuel actually says that there's not much of a difference. I think we have less than a 2% discrepancy between Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. But the price, 500 more for Calvin Ridley, I don't really feel the need to pay 500 more for Calvin Ridley. I don't think he's that much better of a play. You know, as I said, I think they're essentially equivalent plays and the ownership doesn't have a strong lean either. So in this case, like on, on DraftKings, I actually think Calvin Ridley is like a, a decent leverage playoff of Julio Jones. I don't think you get that kind of leverage. So I'm willing to just take the value and it fits in the Justin Herbert mind boggling ownership on FanDuel specifically. It's 16, 16th high stone quarterback seems absolutely berserk. So he's the perfect run back to, to my Justin Herbert sacks. And I don't like that extra 2% ownership that I pay for Julio Jones doesn't matter. Cause apparently no one, even if, even if his ownership jumps like three, four, 5%, he's still not going to be a top 10 hardly owned quarterback. So he fits perfectly in my Justin Herbert builds. And I don't feel the need to get like different by playing Calvin Ridley. I would just like to mirror that. I like Julio Jones a lot for all the reasons you mentioned. There's one player I want to talk about on the other side of the ball and it's Keenan Allen. You talked about Justin Herbert being extremely low owned. Well, let's look at Keenan Allen at 3.7%. This is absolutely mind-blowing to me, just given the state of the offense. I think, similar to Justin Herbert, this is a complete overreaction to what we saw out of the L.A. Chargers offense last week. And going against Atlanta, you know, there's shootout potential here. The defense for Atlanta is not particularly strong. And we've seen Justin Herbert be one of the most efficient signal callers in the NFL. Not to mention, the L.A. pass volume is ridiculous with the Chargers running one of the fastest offenses in the NFL. So Keaton Allen at 3.7%. My goodness, this is egregious in my opinion. Oh, yeah, totally. I uh, uh, That was the end of the sentence. I agree. No, there's no... Uh, Sometimes I no, do that, man. Yeah, I, have, I have nothing to add. Keenan Allen is, you know, West Coast Michael Thomas. The target volume he's been seeing with, with Justin Herbert under center is not only insane, but it's also efficient. Like, if he was getting this volume from Phillip Rivers, I'd be like... It's fine. It's good. I'll play the targets. The targets are exciting with Justin Herbert under center. So I have nothing, you know, hardly nothing to add. Keenan Allen is like his price is fine to pay for given his volume and his ownership. Like there's like not much of a difference between someone like Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams. Like we've seen the big games from Keenan Allen. I think the floor for Devontae Adams, certainly higher. Like he has probably a better touchdown projection overall, a few more targets, a, a few more targets, one or two more targets. In a GPP, I don't care too much about the floor. I mean, I, I care nothing essentially about the floor. I'm looking for first place. I think a low-owned Keenan Allen is a great way to get yourself to first place or close to it, you know? I think so too. I absolutely love Keenan Allen as a play this week. There's another situation I want to ask you about that I think is GPP winning upside, and it comes from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You and I both talked about Tom Brady already this week. We both like him, and he's a top five most owned quarterback, but that's not really saying much on FanDuel because the ownership is so spread out. 
the question with Tom Brady, and I think one of the reasons people sometimes get away from him is who do you stack him with? And at the wide receiver position, with the emergence of Antonio Brown, this is becoming an increasingly difficult question. Right now, we have Chris Godwin, who's 7.7% owned. That is pretty significantly more owned than Mike Evans. Are you just going to make the pivot down to Evans? Is Godwin's ownership at a reasonable enough place where you think you can play him at the near 8%? What are you doing with Tampa Bay? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I like the ownership on, on Vandal this week. I think it's a little, the ownership, at least to me yesterday, felt like it was a little more efficient on DraftKings. Like I actually might end up playing a little more on Vandal than I usually do. One, I mean, one, because I think when Chris Godwin is like more expensive and more owned, Mike Evans at 3% is a really good pivot off of him. I'll probably end up still getting some Chris Godwin and using Antonio Brown as the, as like a secondary piece of, of a stack with Tom Brady and kind of on the other side, it's really weird. I think we're going to get pretty solid ownership of all of the guys, especially the pass catchers, specifically on the Minnesota side. We're getting 5% ownership on Justin Jefferson. We're getting 4% ownership on Adam Thielen. Like this game has the third highest total. And I think on, on DraftKings, the, the Minnesota guys are actually going to have a, a little bit of popularity. It seems like no one wants to attack one of the best games of the slate in this Tampa Bay, like Tampa Bay versus Minnesota game. Minnesota as like an underdog has not a bad implied team total and Tampa Bay has an absurd implied team total, you know, fifth highest, I believe fourth highest on the week. I, I think any of these guys make sense since Antonio Brown joined the team. Mike Evans has led the team in targets and I believe in air yards, the, the weighted opportunity, which is just a combined metric of those two, the whopper for Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin has been identical. Our priors on Chris Godwin are that he's very good, especially in the context of the Tampa Bay offense. So maybe you still give him the slight lean, but so does pricing and ownership. So I think on, on FanDuel specifically, I'd probably rank them Godwins and then a split between Brown and Evans. Maybe slight Brown lean, not a strong preference there, which is not my split on DraftKings, which is kind of important to note the different ownership and pricing discrepancies on FanDuel. Yeah, they're very different between DraftKings and FanDuel, which I'm glad you brought up the differences. Thanks for doing that, Kyle. It, it does make a big difference between the platforms. Before we move on to tight end, I got to ask you about Sammy Watkins. So I've been <laughs> receiving a lot of flack for touting Sammy Watkins week over week. And I don't think it's been necessarily bad. Sammy Watkins, seven and six targets respectively in his two games since he returned from injury. And the reason you're playing Sammy Watkins is he is a cheap attachment to Patrick Mahomes. And this is something we don't have when Sammy Watkins is out of the lineup. So am I crazy? Do I need to be talked off this cliff with Sammy Watkins here? No, I'm going to push you off the cliff and then I'm going to like cliff dive after you because I like anytime you tell me a guy is going to play the majority of, of dropbacks, like probably 75%, I think it's been 74% since he returned or 73% of the dropbacks of Patrick Mahomes and he's going to be cheap and low owned. Like th those are all the hallmarks of a good tournament play. Thank you. I'm going to play Sammy Watkins. It's probably <laughs> going to cost me money again. Like it does probably nearly every, nearly every single week. Sammy Watkins, the chat's mentioning he's very boomer bust, and that's exactly why I like him for tournaments. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the play I'm looking to get to. I'm not trying to play these guys that have low ceilings in tournaments. It's not really my style, and it's not really how you win. So I think make sure you think about that when you're looking at wide receivers too. Of course, we're going to move on to the tight end position. If you guys just want to keep up with everything DFS and sports related, make sure you follow the Osmo account on Twitter. It is awesome underscore com. There's also Instagram and Facebook accounts. Check all of those out. There's all sorts of weekly giveaways. Essentially, every single time there's an island game, there's going to be a giveaway. And you can find all of that just by following the Twitter handle. It's extremely active and keeps you up to date 
with everything that's going on with us over at awesomeo.com. So phenomenal resource and the giveaway is just icing on the cake. Make sure you follow all those accounts. Twitter specifically is at Osmo underscore com. Kyle, I don't think there's too much to take away at the tight end position. Not really anything unexpected. Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller are the two most owned and expensive tight ends. It's kind of what you, you get when there's only a few guys that are being treated like wide receivers at the position. Are you just going to lock in Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller? How are you treating tight end? Yeah, I mean, I think when I can get there, they're fine plays. But, uh, I mean, if I'm playing Tyreek Hill, I'm probably not playing Travis Kelsey because you would need six passing touchdowns. Yeah, probably not six, but like four or five from Mahomes. And although four or five from Mahomes is certainly within the range of outcomes, he can win with three passing touchdowns. But I still, like, if Mahomes gets there with three passing touchdowns and 350 yards, I don't want to have been correct on Mahomes and still not have scored enough points to get a double stack of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey there. And I generally do prefer Tyreek Hill a little bit this week because his ownership just doesn't appear to be nearly as high as Travis Kelsey. So for that reason, I'll probably have, I don't know about less Travis Kelsey than the field because I'm playing a decent amount of Mahomes, but given the amount of Mahomes I, I have, you would think I'd be lock buttoning Travis Kelsey. And that's not quite the case. And uh, Darren Waller, I'm probably not going back there this week simply because it's not a game I'm really targeting too much. Think of all the 50-plus total games. It's probably the least appealing. I get it, especially since I, I believe he's an underdog this week that could keep them passing more. And they went pretty pass-heavy in their one you know, first game without Josh Jacobs. So I, I'm not like uh, disagreeing with the, the ownership on them as much as I'm just saying I, I think my builds are going to lead me to a different spot. I I've gotten Darren Waller wrong repeatedly this year. And I just have to admit it two weeks ago, you know, Darren Waller was highly owned. Maybe it's me just going online with the chalk at tight end too much. Cause I played a lot of Ferks there last week, but you know, I had a lot of Darren Waller and then I didn't have enough Darren Waller. You know how that ended, especially with the Darren Waller bust two weeks ago. And then the Darren Waller smash pot last week where you needed him to win. I, I do agree with you. On FanDuel specifically, I will pay up for some of these tight ends a little more often than DraftKings just because the ceiling and floor of the prices are a little bit different overall. You know, FanDuel, you're not really getting, obviously they don't go down to 2,500 like DraftKings does, but even the bottom end of FanDuel's pricing, like when we talk about Ferkser, he's generally, I'm just using Ferkser as an example of a cheap punt tight end. He won't be that often priced from like Hunter Henry. So I tend to not get down to the just complete punts as much on FanDuel, which does bring me to our leverage discussion. I think there's a lot of great leverage plays. I am trying to correlate tight end with quarterback when possible, but right now I'm seeing Dallas Goddard. He's coming in less than 4%. Same thing with Robert Tunyon and Hunter Henry. All tight ends I have a lot of interest in this week. Is there any that stand out to you? Yeah, so I guess this one stands out to me maybe for the wrong reasons. I'm surprised. I don't know, I'm not surprised. It makes sense. Mike Kosecki comes in as the third highest owned tight end, just in terms of like not not punt player or anything. He's 5,700. I don't. I really can't even find like like Cole Komet looks like the punt play people are going to go to, but he hasn't really separated himself from Jimmy Graham a ton. Like it's it's 13 targets over the past three weeks. That's like a four target projection. At 4,600, it's like you said, 2,500 on DK is not the same as 4,600 on on FanDuel. So, but back to Mike Gusecki, I just think it's interesting that he is the guy people are going to go to as their runback option. And it's kind of like we say, like if I'm targeting Patrick Mahomes, my tight end is probably going to be featured in the Patrick Mahomes game, whether that's Travis Kelsey, or I go with Tyree Kill and then the opposing tight end. 
no big difference there. But because everyone seems to have that philosophy or just maybe recognize it's probably a solid price for him at 5,700. Devontae Parker, not a tight end, probably really good leverage this week. I get it. It hasn't been the same since Ryan Fitzpatrick left. But like I said earlier, like the numbers have shown Tua to be, in fact, a more aggressive passer than Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. It just hasn't worked out for Parker. Our samples are so small, but our sample on Parker is that he's probably a pretty big target hawk. His team is going to be passing a lot. They play in a high total game. So I'm sorry to get off on this tangent about a not tight end, but uh, I think Parker is probably a really good spot to go to in your Mahomes lineups. Dallas Goddard. I'm always playing Dallas Goddard. He leads the team in targets over the past five weeks by a pretty significant margin. Seems an underdog this week. And actually, if I have some interest in Taysom Hill, he kind of makes an interesting run back option. So Dallas Goddard's the one, like, I, I think he's an alpha tight end. Man, I like Dallas Goddard a lot. Yeah, I just, are you, do you, does the quarterback change concern you? No, Carson Wentz sucks. He's like, he's been terrible this year. He's like, uh, it's like, oh man, are you concerned that Brandon Allen got benched? I, he didn't get benched as far as I know, but like, no. And I'm like, half joking, Carson Wentz has at least been like, uh, like a volume passer and maybe Jalen Hurts takes some of that volume away. That's really why you'd be concerned. Like the same thing with Taysom Hill. In fact, Hill has been a modestly efficient passer since taking over. It's just that he converts so many dump offs or runs. And, and yes, that is actually the concern with Jalen Hurts is that Carson Wentz has, has actually been running a decent amount this year. We can project Jalen Hurts to run more, given that he was a 1,200 freaking yard rusher in college, which is like nuts. He's a good passer, but he can just convert, you know, drop-offs, like dump-offs into runs. So that part is concerning. But I think the potential for the offense to actually be good is the upside I look for in a GPP. And the offense just wasn't good with Carson Wentz. Okay, well, there's that. Answered it very <laughs> clearly. Um, as far as other tight ends... I think we hit on most of the ones I'm interested in. Again, I'm generally trying to correlate with my my quarterback. One that I was getting a lot in early builds just because of the correlation was Gronk. And on FanDuel, yeah. I actually, I don't like Gronk's price a lot. I think, honestly, if I'm paying for Gronk, I've been asking myself, why am I not just getting to, to Godwin or Antonio Brown or someone I, I think will have slightly better target volume than Gronk, but that's really the only concern I have. Right now, I think if I leave him in, it's just going to be from a contrarian standpoint. What do you make of that idea? I guess it's just what I want to throw your direction. Yeah, exactly. That was, uh, I noticed that price too, because I, my first thought is like, I see the team total. I see the, you know, the overall game scoring environment. Tampa Bay passes a lot. And I say, obviously, I'm going to play some Brady. I'm going to stack him with all the guys, including Gronk. Then I see the price and like, does does a 50-yard, one-touchdown game cut it for Gronk? Maybe, but maybe not because he's 6,200. I, I think at that, he can still get outscored by Gasecki, still get outscored by like a, even a, a Hawkinson in a kind of a opposite side of that where his team has you know fewer projected points, but they should be passing more. So I think the correlation doesn't quite help you as much because he doesn't just need to like, he doesn't just need to correlate with Brady. He needs Brady to go off like for a monster game and correlate highly with him. If Brady throws four touchdowns, but only one of them finds its way to Gronk, that's, that's maybe not enough. So I think when you think about like correlating your, your quarterback with their pass catchers, you have to think about, well, how does the price affect that correlation? You don't need a lot when like, you know, I have this example in my head. If you have Mitchell Trubisky and Cole Komet stacks, I do not have these stacks, I promise. But you don't need that much correlation if you get Mitch Trubisky, right? Because actually that 50-yard and one-touchdown game from Cole Komet, he's one of the best values of the week. It's not quite the same with Gronk, so I think I'm mostly sticking to my receiver stacks in terms of what I'm doing with uh, with Tampa Bay. 
Well, good. That was my approach too. So I'm glad to hear you mirror that sentiment. Uh, before we move on to top stacks, guys, there's about 150 of you watching live. Thank you for being here. If you enjoy everything we are putting out on Awesomeo, hit the thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel. Two easy ways to support Kyle, myself, the entire Awesomeo team. And we greatly appreciate it. Thank you if you have already done that. The biggest takeaway I have from our top stacks tool, of course, available on Awesomeo, it gives you the chance that a particular stack will be the highest scoring on the week, what the quarterback has owned. It gives you value and leverage scores as well. This week in particular, we touched about this at the, the beginning of the show. Kansas City, Green Bay, and Seattle all have immense team totals. And what the top stack stool is showing us is that despite Green Bay and Kansas City drawing a lot of ownership, their chance of being the top stack on the week is just so high that right now one of the better choices you could make is going over the field on your Kansas City and Green Bay stacks. And this isn't something we see every week. So it's something that really stood out to me. I think just given the flatness of the quarterback position as far as ownership, Tyreek Hill being modest, this Kansas City stack might not even be owned enough. What are some of your takeaways from top stacks? Yeah, so the interesting thing is that we have, like, I think there are, like we talked about the high-priced quarterbacks all being relatively highly owned. And of the top five uh, implied team totals this week, three of them come from Kansas City, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, and, and Rodgers and, and Green Bay. No surprises there. But the top stacks tool only has two of those teams as 10% or greater value or you know odds of being the actual top stack. Kansas City north of 20% and Green Bay north of 10%. We actually have Seattle as being the team that, like, despite their impressive scoring, at least, you know, per Vegas and per Russell Wilson's salary, it's actually the one that if you're looking to fade any of the expensive and reasonably chalky quarterbacks, it seems like this falls very much in line that, that Russell Wilson kind of has to be the odd man out. I think so, too. The top stacks tool. I mean, as far as contrarian stacks, so much is going to Kansas City and Green Bay that it's tough to find a ton of value. I, I think my favorite contrarian stack is still going to be the LA Chargers at this point. They're projected to grab some quarterback ownership, still a relatively high chance of being one of the top stacks on the week. And I, I just particularly like Herbert and Keenan Allen quite a bit. Is there anything you're looking for off the radar? Yeah, that was uh, kind of one of the ones I thought was interesting. I, I will add that I think on the other side of the Tampa Bay game, we're going to see so little ownership on Minnesota. We have them as uh, like, I think a 4% odds, if I can find it, 3.5% and less than 2% owned. I think if you're building a lot of Tampa Bay lineups, maybe there's, I mean, if you're building a lot of Tampa Bay lineups, you obviously believe it's a good game to target. The underdog in that game makes a little bit of sense. So, so maybe if you're building for every, like, you know, if you're playing 20 lineups, say for every five Tampa Bay lineups, maybe you get in like one Kirk Cousins lineup. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Guys, if you ever miss the Awesome Show on YouTube, you can't watch for whatever reason. We have a podcast network. We're available just about everywhere you get podcasts. We podcast for every sport, every platform. If you head on over to awesome underscore com slash podcasts, you can check out all the latest there. Once you're there, drop a five-star rating and review with your Twitter handle or Osmo username. That way, you'll be entered to win a free week of Osmo Plus. We'll be giving away a free Osmo Plus week pass to every person who submits our favorite review. So good luck with that. We also have shows every single day coming up later tonight. There's Live Before Lock, our very own Kyle Dvorak, always on Live Before Lock. Where can they find you, Kyle? What time is that on? Yeah, that will be on, what is this, like an 8.20 game? That'll be on at uh, 7.20 then. We'll go live an hour. I believe that's me and Alex tonight. 
we'll kind of just give you the the rundown of any latent actives we have and how like him and I are both building our showdown lineups. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic resource. There's shows tomorrow all weekend long, the marathon live before lock show on NFL Sunday. So make sure you check us out there. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. You can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. He is Kyle Dvorak. Thank you guys. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Good luck.